says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to preview, I say all the action, but just the one game out of round 19 for the NRL is my good mate, 60s. Always a pleasure to have you on board, mate, let alone for back-to-back-to-back podcasts. Yeah, and then it'll be back-to-back-to-back-to-back. <laughs> That's right, we're um, going for the double right. hat-trick, yep. Yeah, the, uh, look, it's, it's always disappointing when you just get one grade of football to watch at Combank Stadium uh, as we did last week and we were you know bemoaning the fact that it was there was no curtain raises last week but at the very least we had two more days of matches a, a lower grade match on both the Saturday and the Sunday last week but you mentioned we've got the buys in the lower grades this week so it's just the NRL match to preview. Indeed which takes us to Thursday night out at Combank Stadium 7.50pm kickoff Eels in the second leg of their free game homestand as they look to make some ground up in the top four and this is a well, I say it's a top six throwdown, but there's a lot of top four implications here. Both the Eels and the Brisbane Broncos come into this game with 11 wins apiece. So there's a, obviously an absolute uh, razor-thin margin between the two teams coming down the four and against, which is pretty close as well. Broncos looking reasonably fit 60s. They've got a couple of outs. We'll talk about that. But their lineup as it stands at fullback is Tessie New. On the wings, you've got Corey Oates and Jordan Pereira. In the centres, it's Katoni Staggs and Branko Lee. Halves pairing of Ezra Mam, the young rookie, and Adam Reynolds, the old vet. In the front row, it's Corey Jensen and Payne Haas as the bookends. There is an asterisk next to Haas's name right now as he races the clock to recover from that frozen shoulder that um, bothered him in Origin 3. At dummy half, it's Jake Turpin in the back row. Kurt Capewell, Jordan Rickey, and the young, outstanding lock forward, Patrick Carrigan. On the bench, dummy half, Corey Pakes. And then you've got Kobe Harrington, Thomas Flegler, and Keenan Palacia rounding out their forward uh, interchange players. Extend the roster, uh, Dean, Dine, Mariner, D-E-I-N-E. Dean, I've, I've never seen it spelt that way, but sorry about that. Uh, Zach Hosking, Reese Kennedy, Deloise Hoyter, Tamari Martin. Yeah, so they've got a couple of outs there. We'll talk in, um, just before we recorded 60s, but obviously in the back line, you're missing the young and outstanding Selwyn Cobbo. You pointed out that uh, Branko Lee's in there instead of uh, uh, Herbie, Herbie Farmworth, that's right. Uh, and then at dummy half, uh, Kevy's son, uh, Billy Walters, has done a fair bit of relief work off the bench, and they're going with Turpin and Pakes this week because uh, Walters' Billy is injured. So they're, they're not full strength, but still a very reasonable outfit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also on that that name, I'm going to guess it's Dane Mariner. Dane. There'll be a chance it's Dane. a – I mean, Dane is a really yeah. – no, I won't say overly common name, but I wonder if that's just a variation. Yeah, on the- I mean, I'm so used to the D A N E thing, but yeah, phonetically you can see it being Dane for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, um, look, still, it is. You mentioned the outs in the Broncos team, but I, I look at that and I go, well, Branko Lee's been an Origin player. Jordan Pereira was in outstanding form the last week or two. Uh, Ezra Mam is. He's he's been a revelation. Having quite a very good rookie campaign, yeah. One of those guys that when the end of the season awards come around, he'll probably feature more prominently than most will give credit right now. 
Yeah, so they've had a bit of a rotation uh, trying to find the right halves combination and there's a few people have taken up that six role through the year but I think he's he's probably the has the greatest prospects for a, a long and prosperous career uh, same in the dummy half they've had a few options there Jake Turpin's a very familiar name to us you look at the team and you know I think to myself at the start of the year I would not have been concerned about a match against the Broncos, even with a, a, a similar group of players to what I thought they would have. Um, but they have really found the secret to getting the best out of their promising players. Mm-hmm. Their experienced players have come to the fore. Their uh, journeyman players are finding form that they haven't been able to find in some time. And I always have concerns with the background that he had with South Sydney uh, uh, about Adam Reynolds. His Every time he plays Parramatta, it seems that his kicking game is on song every time. Yeah, you know it's and, going to be a, a busy day at the office for the back three of Sevo, uh, Simonson and Gufferson. Yeah, and probably the part that concerns me about that is I'm not sure that we've done a great job of putting pressure on the kickers in general play no. as we should have in certainly in recent weeks. Obviously, you know, there might be a part of that where we have concerns about not uh, giving an opportunity for penalties for, I mean, the other week we had Ice was penalised and put on report for, for pushing. pushing the kicker. Oh, so yeah. you can understand why uh, Parramatta might be a bit gun shy about Once going for the twice show, right? Yeah, yeah. But if there's one player that you can't allow the luxury of time for his kicking game, it's Adam Reynolds because you know he will he will just land it exactly where he wants to. I, I could use the Americanism of of landing it on a dime, mm-hmm. um, but that's exactly what he does. He he can kick easily into corners. He can. He can put up the high ball to put someone under pressure. If he's given the luxury of time when they're on the attack and in inside the uh, the the red zone, you know that he's going to thread the needle with a grubber kick. He he is just an absolute master with his kicking game. Not that the rest of his game should be underestimated, as he's proven with the Broncos this year. But my nightmares about Adam Reynolds just is that that pure game management that he always seems to have perfect whenever he plays the Eels in, in previous seasons. And the kicking game has been a massive feature of that. And obviously the fact that the Broncos are going to go up in batches of sixes more likely than fours, that always makes him that much more competitive when you've got an ace goal kicker there as well as an ace field marshal or field general. And yeah, Reynolds sort of just being the glue that ties it all together. Obviously in the back row, I think the acquisition of Kurt Capel has helped a lot there too. Those two old heads, and it's probably a bit harsh on Capewell, he's not that old, I don't think, but they're sort of been the seasoning that those young players that have been so talented but have been so inconsistent up until season 2022, that's what they really needed. Yeah, you, you talked about the seasoning in terms of um, getting that experience. Not You're not suggesting they're salty in any way. <laughs> the old salty dogs, no. I mean, I'm sure Adam Reynolds probably is close to qualifying for it under... Uh, you know, age brackets in NRL, but I'd, I'd say he'd still take umbrage at it, and that's part of the reason why him and South had that acrimonious split, right, where they could not come to to, to 
an agreement on the duration of his potential re-signing. But yeah, he's been a sensational pickup for the Broncos, regardless of any niggles and, and injuries that have kept him off the field here and there. You can just see the, the calming influence he's had on that team. Uh, and I suppose that's probably going to be the headline matchup in this game is the two sevens. I know that Paul Crawley's had a big dig at Mitchell Moses a couple of times in the last week. And I think today he's tried to pitch it as uh, Moses isn't anywhere near as good as Adam Reynolds and is not worth the same sort of contract, which is just absolute gutter journalism, as we all know. But look, you do want to, you really want me to get started on uh, Paul Crawley. Look, the, yeah. the Canberra Raiders have a decent win against the uh, Melbourne Storm and suddenly he's revitalized because he's. Best mate, Ricky Stewart's, you know, back in the winner's circle and suddenly he's gone after all the other teams. So, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, classic Paul Crawley. So, but looking at the Parramatta Eels, 60s, uh, not too many changes this week. It's it's mostly just reinforcements, which is fantastic. We already mentioned the back three, but you've got Gufferson, captain and fullback on the wings, Micah Sivo and Bailey Simonson. Micah obviously partnering Wanga on the left and Bailey working with Will Penasini on the right in the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. In the front row, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Polo. They're the premier bookends right there. Reed Money is the dummy half. In the back row, Sean Lane on the left edge. Isaiah Ice Papali'i on the right. Finally, and I don't think this is a false start, I think he is back and ready to go. Ryan Madison named at lock forward. Huge inclusion for the forward pack and the team. That means that Murata Niakori will go back to the bench where we both really like him there, being able to bring that energy and enforcer sort of uh, brutality off the interchange. He'll partner Makahesi Makatoa and Oregon Kafusi as the free forwards on the bench. Jake Arthur is the utility or emergency, I suppose, uh, band-aid player. He can play for a number of positions for us now. Extended roster, it's Kai Rodwell, Opiki Ogden, Bryce Cartwright, Tom Opachik, and Sean Russell. And then just looking at the officials for this game, 60s, uh, we have Gerard Sutton as the main whistle on the touchlines. It's Darian Ferner and Drew Ultram. And then senior review official is Chris Butler. So, yeah, mostly good news for the Paramount Eels there. Ryan Madison, massive inclusion. I like just what he brings to the team, obviously, in his own right, but it means we get a much better balance on the bench with Murata dropping back to the interchange. And, yeah, just that forward back starting to look really formidable, back to where it was before. And I suppose you could almost point to some of our inconsistencies arriving with uh, the forward pack getting messed up due to origin and injuries to Ryan Madison. Well, it is a coincidence there, isn't it? And... It's not that uh, Maddo was making the impact as a starting player before, but coming off the bench, he was playing the equivalent of starting minutes, wasn't he? He was, he was getting up around 60 minutes per Consistently, game. that's right, 60 plus, yep. Yep, so we were losing 60 minutes of uh, Ryan Madison for the last few weeks. And uh, I, I guess you'd have to say, even though we've just had a couple of wins, that... Uh, you know, we've had some ordinary games as well when he, he hasn't been able to be out there. So you'd like to think that might be a fillip towards a better performance. Um, just looking at the team, uh, when we were speaking to Spiro this week, he really made uh, some emphasis on the combination of uh, Mike Acevo and Wanga Blake in terms of their communication that he noticed out there. And that's that's probably the advantage that we had with having someone who was on uh, media duties as a sideline eye being up close to the action and hearing the, the talk that was happening between those two players. And it was no coincidence that they were very, very effective on the Eels left last weekend in the victory over the Warriors. 
Um, that would put them. Um, I'm just trying to think which which pair that would be. Would that be uh, Pereira's I side think of Stags, the field? I think Stags works the right edge for the Broncos, so it would be. I'd say Stags Pereira if I if I'm correct off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. So that will be a, an interesting matchup because Jordan Pereira, he, he's a strong and powerful winger. So it'll be interesting to see how he lines up against Micah Sivo. Sivo's looks like he's come back in better physical shape than he maybe has been in the previous couple of years. When I say better physical shape, I'm, I'm talking about his conditioning. That mm-hmm. uh, the, the BA. And uh, Gutho mentioned in the presser after the game last week that the boys had been praising Mike Acevo on his fitness and, and they sort of had a bit of a chuckle in, in saying that that was something that they hadn't really been able to do in previous seasons. And I can attest to having, having watched Sevo at training in uh, conditioning work in previous seasons, there certainly wasn't a strength of Micah's. He's a power athlete. He's not one for uh, running uh, any sort of great distances with his conditioning work. But I think we all saw last year that that meant it it did impact his ability to carry the ball from the backfield when the workload would get up there, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of kicks that were being put in from behind, that he would struggle a little bit in getting some impact on his carries from the back. But we've seen a, a... definite improvement in that this year and we know we've just talked about what Adam Reynolds will bring to the game in terms of his kicking and continually looking to turn the eels around and especially a big winger like Sebo getting him to turn around and and chase and and bring back the ball so um yeah be that, I, I think that's going to be inter- an interesting matchup over that side of the field um you mentioned before as well about the eels forwards um Arguably, uh, Sean Lane's best season. I think we've had it. He was very good in 2019, very good. Uh, but I just think he, he's hit a level of consistency as well as consistent highs uh, this year. That if it wasn't for the existence of guys like Madison and Papa Lee, who have got deservedly their own, you know, plaudits by the the wider audience, I think Sean Lane would be shining on at a brighter light. But the fact is that he's sharing the stage with some very very good forwards, and because of that, I think he's fallen on the radar a bit this year. He does, and he's performed in some key moments in matches where a play around him has even turned out to be the difference yeah, maker. Against in the best teams, against Melbourne and Penrith and whatnot, he is often a guy that we will go to. Raiders? Yep, Raiders too, as, as a big point of difference. He just, there is something about him that in those games we trust him. And I suppose that's the highest compliment you can pay to a player like that. And there's been also moments in games where it's simply been a matchup where he's been required to be a little bit more of a workhorse, mm-hmm. just simply get the job done, and he's done that in those matches. Hasn't overplayed his hand. Um, well, I hope we haven't put the kiss of death. Yeah. <laughs> I was Lane. about to say, this screams of what we did to Todd Smith last week with the, the massive mockers coming in and you know producing a, a season-worst performance, but... Yeah, Laney has been. Uh, what, are, what are we talking about? We, uh, I told you, I got the uh, the the message from Ham saying that he basically graduated as an NRL yeah, referee. He's coming of age week. as an NRL ref. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't blow whistles in the ruck again or for the Parramatta Eels. 
when the uh, New Zealand Warriors are you know getting away from Melbourne Storm and Sydney Rooster level ruck like spoilage tactics, you know it's bad. So hopefully we get a, a clean game through the middle on Thursday night, which would go a long way towards stretching Parramatta's win streak to the Brisbane against Brisbane Broncos to six. It's a I know the Broncos haven't been good in recent years, sixties, uh, but they come into this game with five straight wins. Their last loss, that uh, somewhat controversial one point loss, I think it was the back of twenty nineteen when. Uh, it turned out that the Broncos got into field goal range on the back of an obstruction that was reviewed, like revealed by the NRL on the Monday debrief. So, yeah, there's a, a bit on the line here, not just top four you know, bid, but also bragging rights for a six-game win streak. How do you see the Broncos playing this match? Oh, it's The Broncos' style this year has been almost, I'd argue, quite similar to the Parramatta's. You know, they've been very competitive through the middle, and on the basis of you know being right in the middle, like in the thick of it, in the middle, they've been able to spread uh, effectively to the edges where they've got some dynamic outside backs. And obviously, the man in the middle of all that has been Adam Reynolds, but there's been other key contributors like the young gun Ezra Mam, as well as uh, Tamara Martin, who's not playing this week for testing you back from a, a hamstring injury that's kept him sidelined for quite a while. <sighs> I don't know. They, they they beat the Gold Coast Titans in a bit of a uglier match in a, in a game they're probably favoured to win heavily in round 18. I think they'll be up for this one, though, because they'll be quite aware of the Eels have not only got those five games in a row against them, but they've also had some big comebacks and and sort of big thrashings too in that five-game streak. So I think they're going to be very, uh, not not, uh, aggressive, but they'll be up for this one. And I think they're going to be looking to probably match us through the middle because I think that's going to be where they're going to sort of look at us and say, we've got to take Junior, we've got to take Reg, We've got to take Maddo in the middle, and, and if that's the case, we can then you know get them. No, I think with the the presence of Reynolds and his background with South Sydney, I expect them to look to exploit Parramatta's edges and as, especially Parramatta's uh, right side in defence. I they will at least explore their options there. Well, they're going to look at I the would. tape against the Warriors and see that bit of miscommunication between Will Penasini. And Bowie Simonson that led to the Warriors was it first try? Um, yeah, uh, or well, second try. It, yeah, was the, uh, was, look, a, was it their? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was their first try. Yeah, I think it was the first try where it didn't look like there was an overlap down the left. The, the Warriors left their short side, so our right edge, and then Bailey uh, misread it and, and shot up and sort of hadn't communicated with Will and allowed them to spread the boards quickly and score in the corner. So. There's no doubt that they'd be doing their video on that and be, you know, sort of putting a big circle around it on the tip sheet uh, and to be something they'd be looking to exploit. So, yeah, I think it comes down to good communication on our edges there and also, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, trying to get some clean pressure on Adam Reynolds. Don't give him all the time in the world to wind up for those kicks because if you let him set, uh, set himself firmly, he's going to hit it every time. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I when I'm looking at this Broncos team, I, I look at some of the areas which the Eels have been able to exploit in the past. Corey Oates hasn't had the best of games against Parramatta. Uh, low kicks uh, have troubled him in the past. And once you start to get him being uncomfortable or uncertain around a kicking game, uh, then he starts to have other issues in, in fielding the kick. And I think if we can put... Uh, Corey Oates under a bit of pressure. There might be some joy there. Tessie knew I never know what to expect. Yeah, from. he is an absolute wild card. 
can be uh, best on field or an absolute train wreck. He's got all the talent in the world, but can be highly inconsistent. But yeah, he's definitely a player you've got to watch out for because if he is in good form, he's going to absolutely rip in. So the way that I see it, mate, is that I'm going to bang on about it again. I think we need a good start Mm -hmm. because I don't want the Broncos to have an early sniff, get get their confidence up early because I think... The key to the Broncos this year, you you said you could find a bit of a parallel to the Eels, and they're they're sitting on the same points, are they not? Yes, uh, it's eleven um, wins. As, so as us, us, just a bit Melbourne better for and against. the Broncos, all on eleven wins. So we've got three teams from four to six sharing those uh, win win uh, shares there, and then Cowboys yes. and Sharks are one uh, win ahead on twelve. So there is a lot to play for this week as well. Because oh, ab- absolutely, there's a lot to play Shark, for. And, Sharks as play I said, Panthers. You- Storm play Rabbitohs, we play the Broncos. That is the top seven just throwing down for each other massively. Yeah, and you mentioned that there is those parallels between the Eels and the Broncos, and I think what we're talking about there, especially from the Broncos' point of view, is is when they have been on, they've obviously been at, at their confidence levels help to perpetuate playing well. But yeah. I think if if you can take away or if you can chip away at that confidence that we can expose some of the issues that those players have had in previous seasons. So um, to that end, as I said, the, the issues around the, uh, the, the back pairing of Tessie New and Corey Oates, uh, Jordan Pereira, he never set the world on fire at St George. He was in and out of first grade and reserve grade. He's he's getting his run now at the Broncos. But uh, t- to be honest, if we didn't have injury there at the Broncos, he wouldn't be playing first grade. So he played with all the confidence in the world the last couple of weeks. Maybe he just felt that there was nothing to lose in that appearance. But I think if we can we can get a few errors out of him early on, then again. It, it's it's going to open up old wounds that that's there. Um, it, look, they've got some class players, some class players that are there, but you know, also you know, a player or two that are re- relatively inexperienced in the NRL, and that's where we might try to get a bit of an edge there. Um, Parramatta been in camp all week. Yeah, went up to the coast, uh, getting away from the the big smoke, and. It's interesting because one of the big points of emphasis for the Eels coming into this season was a better load management and a better approach towards the back end of the season where they'd somewhat credited out in the last couple of years. And uh, I suppose the contrast was we were so used to, in sort of 2019 to 2021, we exploded other blocks, were right in the minor premiership race up until the midpoint of the season. This year we've been uh, at a more sedate pace. Obviously we haven't been as red hot throughout the stretches, but maybe we're in a better position to tune it up now and hit fifth gear in the back half of the season. And the other thing that comes to mind with that is that we probably get the Brisbane Broncos in a good stretch now where we've had a couple of games against the Tigers and the Warriors where we've sort of, I wouldn't say we've completely figured ourselves out, but we've gotten back into a good motion. And now we can take that step up into a, a an ascendant team in the Broncos, then working towards the Penrith Panthers the week after. So, I think we, yeah, this works out really nicely. Go into camp, recharge the batteries, come back, and and look to knock over the Broncos. Yeah. So, look, I my take on the getting away for the week this week, BA's 
he has changed some of the training schedule around in heading just heading into and then beyond the second half of the season so i can you can see that he's looking for a bit of a, a change up in the training load uh, there's now the the camp this week and that could well be that uh, they're looking to really set the target of the run into the finals like literally saying here we go um, it's a week like this I think there's as much bonding as there is with the the actual training preparation. 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the boys are spending time together. Um, you know, the, he, he may have the rooming arrangements in a way that helps with the bonding and the communication, but they're getting away together. They're able to focus on the job that they've got at hand this week to uh, coming into the Broncos. There is no excuse for their headspace to not be totally focused on the game this week. Well, curiously... If- when when they come out of buys, I see them struggle. But on the short weeks where training the training workloads dialed back, they tend to respond very positively. So make sense of that what you will. But this tends to I think align more with the latter than the former. So I'd be expecting the boys to be in a pretty good both physical and mental space come Thursday night. Yeah, and you have to think about that too because they've been away, and as and this is a short turnaround. So if they were at uh, just training and preparing at home, maybe they would have only got um, two sessions at the most mm-hmm. as be- between uh, Friday right. night and now. Mm-hmm. So, but they've been away. So it's time spent together. There's been a few photos that the boys have been putting up on social media about their, their time away, showing meals together, golf course, out in the golf course, uh, down the beach, all that sort of stuff. So you can see that they're obviously, they're going to be enjoying their time away. Um, So no doubt there's, uh, I guess there's an element that's uh, recharged the batteries from that perspective. But surely there's been that opportunity to get into their minds about now we're, now it's business boys. Like, yeah. here's the target. Here we are now. This is the run to that point. 100%. The run to that target. Because you look at it from here on in, and there is a lot of home games in this stretch. It is, I think, two away games among, amongst the rest of the games here, but it is starting this Thursday, Brisbane, Penrith, Manly away, Rabbitohs, Dogs, Brisbane return game away, and Melbourne. So, you know, you, you can't take any of those games for granted given that the... The teams that we've lost to, uh, the Rabbitohs and the Bulldogs this year, and Manly always play us tight, uh, especially in recent years, and the rest of them are all contenders. So, yeah, you got to be right mentally, physically, and, you know, we, we spoke about it before, but the team has taken a, an altered approach to uh, pacing themselves for the regulation season this year. This is where you got to see those dividends, even with that, that tough schedule. Yeah, absolutely. There's This is... Uh an amazing opportunity this this run of matches at home to get a good jump into not ahead of a good jump into the place where we want to be yes and that is that is right in that fight for the top 4 now i've been critical of the team during our losses and saying 
the team has not played like a top four team and based on that form are not a top four team. But they've got a chance to change that all up because we've seen the best of the Eels can beat the best in this competition at Penrith. We may well go through this competition where Parramatta are the only team to beat the Panthers. Mm-hmm. It might get to the end of this competition and Penrith win the win the premiership again and their only loss will be against the Parramatta Eels. Uh, we, I'd like to change that so that there are losses, plural, to maybe, the Penrith maybe Panthers. Even, maybe even three. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, that that would be that would be brilliant if there if there were three, um, oh, and maybe four. Technically, could, technically it could final. be four. That's right. A top four matchup means a week one loss, and then climbing through the the losers bracket of the finals, you can have up to four losses. So, yes, uh, I will take somewhere between three and four losses, depending on how the uh, finals play out. Yeah, absolutely. So, we know what the best of Parramatta looks like. Unfortunately, we know what the worst yeah. of Parramatta looks like. It comes the down. best of Parramatta looks like a contender. The worst of Parramatta looks like a bottom four team. What we need to see Raise is something floor, more akin to the best, which is a, a definite top four team. The best of Parramatta is a definite top four team. But this match really has to be... Uh, the the sole focus right now get past Brisbane, and then the next step up the following week against the Panthers. But we can't look ahead to the Panthers. We have to get this job done no, now uh, yeah, because that the... gives us that 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 jumps us over Brisbane and potentially jumps us over another team. Does it not with the yeah, draw? It, if Melbourne lose to the Rabbitohs, we jump Melbourne on outright wins. We will go to twelve wins to their eleven, and then with the Sharks playing the Panthers. Uh, obviously, their four and against is better than ours right now, I think, by some considerable margin. So the Sharks are at 116 to our 36. So if we have a big win, they have a big loss, that would you know come very close to leveling it, obviously. But if they just have a loss to the Panthers, suddenly we're in with a, a share of, at worst, third on the ladder, if not maybe second, depending on how the Cowboys go in their game, which I think they should be heavy favourites to win, if I recall correctly. Cowboys versus uh, West Tigers, yeah, so... They should be heavy favourites to win. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not even. So the the Cowboys have quite a favourable draw. I think they're they're well on the way to locking in the second place, isn't it? But I, I just I just wanted as well to um, ask you: Were you in any way suggesting when you talked about um, a, a big win that you'd like to see a 58 nil scoreline well, against the Broncos at? at our home ground. We were actually talking about that game uh, in, I think it was the post-match podcast, uh, talking about some of the, the bigger wins we've had. Uh, oh, no, it was when we were talking with the, the Queensland supporters. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love a big win against the Broncos. And, you know, we talk about Styles making fights in those five wins. The Eels have definitely in recent years been a very like positive matchup against the Brisbane Broncos. But obviously it's kind of hard to evaluate the Broncos of 2019 to 2021 up against the 2022 iteration where between, you know, Kevy sort of getting a handle on the playing group and those uh, veteran acquisitions really helping the, the other sort of boys come together and coalesce. They're, they're not the same entity that we've been beaten up on. So, yeah. But do you think for the Broncos, is Anthony Seabold a distant memory now? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it's. A, I think that they'll, they'll be talking about him the way we talk about some of our former coaches from uh, uh, pre-2014. Uh, yes, the you know I'm not sure. The jury is still out on whether Walters is the guy to run that helm 
long term, but for 2022, I think he's banked a lot of a lot of credits. He's done a very good job, and I think that uh, once again, as as we sort of cautioned, sometimes you got to be careful what you look for um, beyond what you have because. Walters is doing a good job, and if you go to the market and you go for the, the new hotness like they did with Seabold, geez, it can backfire pretty badly. Now, are we ready to make our, our big calls? Yeah, let's, for the let's get into the big calls. Like we said before, Parramatta Eels looking to make it six on the trot against the Brisbane Broncos. There is a top four berth on the line, potentially a top three berth uh, on the line, potentially. So a whole lot to play for. I think you've got to go with the Parramatta Eels win, obviously. We always, I think we always invariably tip a Parramatta Eels win. I think I've done it once, tipped against the Eels this year, and even then I think I flip-flopped and ended up tipping them, tipping them to win. So I've got them winning. Mm. Obviously you want to see a strong defensive performance, but the Broncos do have points in them. I will go Parramatta Eels 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 flat to the uh, Broncos 10. Okay, I'm going slightly higher scoring. I'm going Parramatta Reels 34, Broncos 18. I think, as I agree with you, I think there's plenty of points in this game. Um, and I, I think the Broncos are heading for three converted tries. I think we can get five to six tries in the match. But my caveat is that we must start well. If we don't start well, my fear is that Broncos will score more than 18 points Mm -hmm. and then the job becomes a a little bit tougher than certainly what we'd planned to do. Uh, My first try scorer, geez, I'm shooting myself, I'm kicking myself (laughs) after last week because... I knew that left side was going to be the productive side yep. last week, and I went and I went for Sean Lane, and I, I considered uh, uh, this was in my in my punting tip. I went for Sean Lane, um, and you know I think in our other I I, I went the right edge. I thought oh it's time for uh, Will Penasini to get some points. Um, you know what. I'm going to keep this really, really straightforward. I keep liking that left edge. I'll go for Sivo as the first try scorer. Uh, I think that is just a good no-nonsense tip right there. Um, I, that left edge is starting to purr really nicely. And like you said, it's going to be – it has been and will continue to be very productive for the Eels. And I think that's their sort of – when they get into a nice rhythm, that's where they like to go. They will, they will work the ball right, build up for that left edge shift – and, and even then, they don't need to establish any sort of pattern to the right. They can go with the short side shift to that right left edge because whether it's Sean Lane, uh, whether it's Dill or whether it's Gufferson sweeping, they, they've got a couple of options there to play uh, different shapes and structures. So very good tip there. I'm going to go, and uh, I suppose I, I'm sort of just buying into this for the, the good narrative that would be given the uh, absolute bullshit he's had to deal with in the last week. I'll go for Mitchell Moses, first try scorer, and just for him to have a, a big game in general. Okay, are you prepared to tip him for best on field? Uh, it feels like almost cheating tipping a halfback for best on field, but like that, like I said at the start of the podcast, there is that stupid media narrative being built up by certain members uh, trying to you know shape it as how much better Adam Reynolds is on a value to dollar sort of basis than Mitchell Moses. So I think Mitchell will respond really strong, and I think he'll put his hat right into the ring for best on field. 
I think maybe his partner in crime, Dylan Brown, could be a sneaky little tip for best on field, though. He's He certainly hasn't been bad by any means, but uh, he was red hot earlier in the season. I think he's uh, played a great offsider's role to Mitchell Moses in recent weeks. I think... Uh, this is a game for him to step up and maybe torment the frontline defense of the Broncos just a little bit. I'm looking at someone in the Eels' front row having a big game. I was thinking that it might be Junior, that he he's due to really stamp his authority, and I and I still believe that he would. But I've just got this sneaking suspicion that Reed Marnie's going to have a game out of the box this week. Just that, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, the, because there were some signs of life against the Warriors, a couple of try assists. Yeah. He uh, yeah. looked to have a little bit more spark than he had for quite some time out of dummy half. So that's not a that's not a terrible tip. Um, if he, well, you know, obviously, we, we, I was going to say, we were talking about the spine needing to lift about three weeks ago, and then we saw Mitch Moses and... Uh, and to a lesser extent, Dylan Brown against the Tigers were difference makers, Mitch Moses especially. Then against the Warriors, uh, we we saw solid performances from them, but uh, we we definitely saw a lift in uh, in what Reed was able to produce last week. Um, I, I mean, maybe it maybe if I'm following those trends, I sh- the next person should be Gutho that really steps up this week, although I think he was picked by at least some on Channel 9 as the, as the player of the match last week. I wouldn't have had him as player of the match. I think there was other players that were that performed better, but he was certainly brave after copying the, the whack to the... Was it the duodenum? Is that where the <laughs> whack the, was hit? Is it jejunum? Is that what... Uh, that's what Semi-Pro, that's what semi-pro yeah. taught me. Is, uh, you ever been punched in the jejunum? Because uh, Jackie, yeah. Jackie Moon had never thrown up in his life and... Yeah, uh, when you when you get whacked, and it's essentially, I think, the solar plexus. So uh, yeah. you, you can't breathe and you end up uh, chunking something fierce. And poor, I mean, he wasn't the only one that got it last week. Uh, Reese Walsh, wasn't it? He was also yeah. blowing chunks at one point too. So some real nasty uh, lean, like nasty but clean hits in that game that uh, caused a couple of fullbacks to uh, retch up what they'd had before the game. Uh, but yeah, uh, if we can get rid, uh, yeah, it was like he was. It, it was like Reese Walsh was saying. Um, so you call that a vomit? Yeah, anything you can beer. do, I can do no. better. Exactly. Uh, but, oh, well, uh, maybe it was hold, hold, hold my regurgitation. Yeah, yeah, hold my uh, sports drinks and everything else that I had before, before kickoff. But like you said, sixties. We talked about it last couple of weeks. Getting the the entirety of this playmaking core firing is going to turn this team to the next level. And, you know, Mitch and Dill have been so consistent this year, whereas Reed and Guffo, you know, maybe we've been a little bit harsh on them, I don't know. But it, in our perspective, it feels like they've been perhaps leaving a little bit of slack on the chain there for the other two playmakers. Reed came to the party last week. He wasn't perfect. He still had a couple of moments where he sort of, uh, I think in the red zone in particular, there was some six agains where he got a little bit lost on what to do. But those two try assists were much closer to the read that we've enjoyed so much in recent years. And if Guffo can just... It's not like Guffo's been for lack of effort. I don't know. Uh, maybe just it'll come back to maybe changing our structures a little bit for him and getting him to back up some of those forwards and doing a bit more. I don't know. But if you just get... All yeah, the look, Guffo... The Guffo that I really rate is is the one that's lurking around the middle of the field. 
that's the support player that's not looking to to throw the miracle pass or the hero ball as you as as you call it the the just you know I, I don't like the gutho that chimes in I, I don't. I know well, there's, that there's a time. There's a time and place for it in the red zone where you need to create the extra number for sweeping fullback. I, I am all fullback. I was thinking the midfield between the twenties. We have perhaps the best team in the competition to leverage second phase football for a fullback, whether it's the forwards in junior and reg or the back rowers there, or someone like Dylan Brown who so consistently can just free himself from that initial contact and is standing looking for someone to run off him. So yeah, and we yeah. saw that. We did see that last week of. Of, of Dylan Brown exploring through the middle, standing there in a tackle, looking to see who he could thread the ball to, and nobody, just nobody. And and look, as I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm less favourable. I, I don't like as much the the gutho that restrict. I should say, almost restricts himself to be the chiming into the back line, making the extra man type play. Because it seems to me that when he's playing that, we don't see as much of Gutho lurking around the middle, looking to push up in support, looking to jump into dummy half and catch the defence unawares. The, the Gutho that's busy around the middle of the field is the Gutho that's the most dangerous. And you want your fullback to be a point of difference in the attack. You want them to, like so many other fullbacks, are. Uh, identified as the danger player in the opposition. And what we have with Gutho, for the most part, is that is that high energy player, the one that's that's that has conditioning levels far above everyone else. But the most dangerous Gutho, the one that becomes the strike player, the difference maker, is the one that's lurking around the middle and catches defenses unaware, or he's there for that extra pass so um yeah that's what i want to see uh, we may not see it this week but i don't think we'll see the best of our spine until we see that version of gutho that does more of that than the extra man gutho i think that's a very nice place to wrap it all up we've gotten our first try scorers in we've gotten our best on field and we've gotten our scoring margins in all that's left yes. is for the Parramatta Eels to take care of business against the resurgent Brisbane Broncos. That's happening tomorrow night, 7.50 p.m. kickoff. Make sure you can get out there if you can. And then you can always always drum, drop by Jack's Bar and Grill to catch myself in 60s live in the post game. We've got uh, Zip Zip, Steve Eller joining the show this week. He is always a blast to have on there. And he's got some uh, big shoes to fill in after what Neville Glover gave us last week, 60s. Well, I've already been in touch with uh, Zip Zip. I've said to him, look, mate, I've caught up with Guru lately. I got to see him wielding the axe for Eric Growth and the Gurus. Brilliant set list, really, uh, you know, rocking Western Sydney when I saw him. We saw Neville Glover demonstrating that he's still got the dance moves. I put it to the Zip Zip, what do you got for me, mate? What's your, what's your trick in the bag there? Now, imagine saying to someone like Zip Zip, what have you got to offer? I mean, of all of all people, the legendary Steve Eller, he just said, mate, there'll be no guitar playing, no singing, no dancing, right? So <laughs> not that he needs to do those things because he is Steve Eller, and we will be talking to Steve Eller about aspects of the match. We'll be talking to Steve Eller probably about uh, Queensland players, about a bit, a bit about origin, 
uh, a little bit about his career, just his different takes on this and that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We've had him as a guest before, and he is an absolute what he like. He's a, what do they say? The gentleman and the scholar. He is he is a most um, he's one of the best people you could possibly ever chat to. So if you're keen to get down there, have a listen to uh, Steve. Have a chat with us. Then maybe catch up with him yourself for a bit of a chat, a photo, an autograph. That's the thing about these legend players is they really are the best people. They really are. Mm. So get to Jack's Bar and Grill in Parramatta Leagues Club, the home of the Eels, straight after the game. You can say good day to us, have a listen to us yabber on uh, about the game. You can listen to the great Steve Ella and uh, enjoy a beer and a little bit of something to eat. Exactly. And as always, thanks for stopping by and giving a couple of Parramatta fans a listen. We do appreciate it immensely. We'll catch you guys on the next episode as we make it the double hat-trick, like we said earlier in the epi- uh, earlier in this episode, 60. has gone four in a row, so that's some sort of record. Hope you guys enjoy it. We'll catch you in the next episode. Go you, Eels.